Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Welcome to The World in 10, your daily roundup of the biggest stories from across the world, written by our correspondents and contributors at The Times of London. I'm Jenny Barsby. Coming up on today's podcast, we take a look back at the coronation of King Charles III, plus how another king, Juan Carlos, lost his crown, and how do you make the switch from football to biochemistry? That's all coming up in the next 10 minutes. Yesterday's episode was, of course, wall-to-wall coronation, if you will indulge us. And though the pomp and ceremony of the day is over, today's Times of London is all about looking back and dissecting the occasion. You can read in-depth pieces on how Charles will modernise the monarchy by his former press secretary, Camilla's incredible journey to Queen and how the coronation music rose to the occasion. There's an exclusive video of the composer Andrew Lloyd Webber on the making of the coronation anthem. We will be having, actually, dinner um, with the King and the Queen Consort. And um, he sort of sounded me out about whether I would write something. And I said, well, of course, it would be an incredible honour. One of the things, I mean, we were were talking about over dinner is, you know, our our mutual love of um, the English choral tradition. Sometimes um, when you write, um, things take ages, but this one, um, it it really, really um, came pretty quickly. that video online now. Of course, the Times does touch on the elephants in the room, Prince Andrew and Prince Harry, both relegated to the royal backbenches. And Josh Glancy, special correspondent for the Sunday Times, believes that could be partly to blame for the king looking anxious and slightly sombre. 
I, I did think the move was rather stiff. It is obviously a solemn occasion, but I, I thought he, he didn't quite bring a kind of lightness or an ease. He looked very tense almost, and he seemed to relax a little bit afterwards uh, once they had the fly pass on the balcony. But even then, he, he, he didn't bring a kind of a joy or a vivacity to the occasion. It looked quite solemn and quite um, anxious almost. And I, I sort of wondered if the weight of all the different things on his shoulders, whether it's the, the personal issues with his brother and his son, who, who were both there, but not, not fully there, if you like, or just the sort of general difficulty of, of the, the monarchy faces in Britain and, and that, that he will face as, as king. I, it just, I felt the weight of, that, of some of that in the air. Maybe I'm projecting that, but he certainly didn't seem fully at ease. Now, not everyone was supportive of yesterday's celebrations. The Metropolitan Police arrested 52 people for alleged public nuisance offences. Among those detained was Graham Smith. He's the head of the anti-monarchy group Republic. Paul Powsland is a barrister who took part in a protest in Trafalgar Square and believes it was the perfect time to air his views. What is the better time to protest the coronation than the coronation? And also it's, it's very... Um, uh, in line with British uh, values, which is that everyone gets the right to peacefully and lawfully express their opinion on on our public streets. And let, let's remember that, you know, Republicans represent 25% of uh, people in the UK. That's millions of people. And frankly, if, if Charles genuinely wants to be a, a monarch for everyone uh, in this country, then actually maybe Republicans should have had a part of the ceremony yesterday. <laughs> a few, some 25% of the seats in Westminster Abbey. Whatever your take on the coronation, why not take out a Time subscription and read all the analysis of that historic occasion? From the current King of England to the former King of Spain, Juan Carlos was once seen as a champion of Spanish democracy, but was forced to abdicate in 2014 after paying one of his mistresses 65 million euros. Coinciding with a new documentary on the fall of the former Spanish monarch, the Sunday Times Foreign Features editor Matthew Campbell has written about the royal scandal that rocked the country. The king was in hospital with a broken hip and... Somehow the press got hold of the story. It was bad enough that he'd been on a safari with his mistress, uh, Colonel Larson. Even worse, they had shot an elephant. It was the first many Spaniards had heard of the mistress, and it caused a huge scandal. She was effectively banned from Spain by the secret intelligence service. She went back to Monaco. Things deteriorated even further in their relationship because she claimed then that the Spanish state was spying on her, that they'd broken into her flat in Switzerland and in her home in Monaco, that she'd been threatened. Things then developed when it emerged that the king, two months after the safari, had given Irina Larson 65 million euros. After that, uh, the story just blew up even more. Now to a very different love story, and for this, the Times takes you back to the 18th century and the British settlers who started new lives in the colony of India. Historian Ruksha Sharma's been researching the lives of Bibis, their concubines, and discovered that there was a lot more to these relationships than just sex. Wills left by men who lived and died in the far-flung corner of the British Empire show a tenderness 
that belies the image of harsh colonial conquerors. Times contributor Amrit Dillon's written a piece about Ruksha's findings and has been speaking to my colleague, Amy Gill. Hey Amrit, thank you for joining us on The World in 10. So tell me a little bit about these wills then. What exactly did they say? Uh, so often they wrote that something should be left to their to my loving friend or to my faithful companion or to my girl. And they were very particular. One, one British settler called Edward Dawson, he actually specified that the woman he lived with uh, always went to, work, to visit her family by boat so that she was comfortable and well looked after. Ruchka Sharma reveals so much about these women who became part wife, part concubine, right? But she did also hit a wall. She was disappointed because there was a mention of the women's real names. A name in India will tell you the person's religion for sure. It might tell you their caste and it might tell you their region. That would have been useful information. But unfortunately, I guess because the men found it difficult to pronounce Indian names, they didn't use the Indian names uh, for their partners or for their concubines. Uh, they tended to use uh, English names such as Nancy or Betty or Rosie. And so that meant she couldn't go any further into their background. Finally, from tackling other players on the field to tackling forever chemicals, the world of Mathieu Flamini is very different now from his days in football's English Premier League. Today's long-form interview in the Sunday Times is with the 39-year-old Frenchman who is now the co-founder and CEO of a global biochemicals company. Quite a departure from his days walking onto the pitch at Highbury. So what is GF Biochemicals? In a nutshell, it takes ingredients from biodegradable waste, bio-waste to you and me, with the intention of replacing so-called forever chemicals, synthetic fluorinated hydrocarbons. He's been speaking to The Times, Phoebe Luckhurst. We're providing ingredients in order to replace uh, so, as I would say, harmful chemicals by safer ones and more sustainable. Shampoo we use, the cream we put on our bodies, the shower gel, most of it is today based on petroleum product. So when you tell people, people start realizing, oh, wow, I mean, I didn't know that. Maybe I should be like a tiny more and I to careful about what I buy and, and what I use. Now, I certainly don't know any former footballers who've gone into this type of venture, modelling, maybe, commentating, certainly, but this is quite a departure. Phoebe told us what he had to say when she mentioned the same thing to him. He really sort of rankled at the idea that footballers should stay in their lane. His point is that these are people who have spent their entire lives working incredibly hard for a goal that is very, very difficult, very few people achieve, and the kind of mindset that you have to have in order to achieve at that level, I think probably means that you would be pretty good at anything you, you put your mind to. I admit this is quite a mind-blowing piece, if I'm honest. It's so interesting to see a former player for Arsenal going into biochemistry. What you'll also glean from reading this is that Phoebe Luckhurst is a huge Arsenal fan and she couldn't resist asking him if they could win the title race. As an Arsenal fan, of course I believe we're going to win it. A very strong on the pitch. So... Yeah, I strongly believe, I mean, they can do it. Diplomatic to the end. And that's it for today's World in 10. We're back tomorrow.